everybody's in trouble. Amen. Amen. I'm going to back this up just a little bit. Am I on, brother? All right. You know, I love, first of all, before we get started, would you stand one more time real quickly? I know you just got settled in. I want you to look this way and at the same time say, thank you, Cheryl. One, two, three. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Sid. <laughs> Amen. I am a huge Dr. Seuss fan. I love Dr. Seuss. Call me a child, whatever, whatever. I like Dr. Seuss. But I also love the lessons that his stories teach to our kids. Uh, but this one story has a great lesson to teach us adults, too. The character's name is Zod. Say Zod. Zod. And this character, uh, Zod, describes many of us in our decision to follow the Lord Jesus. Did I ever tell you about the young Zod who came to a sign at the fork in the road? He looked one way and the other way too. The Zod had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants. He said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, that place may be hot. So how will I know if I'll like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel such a fool if I go to place two and find out it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue, so place one may be best and not place two. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. It's simp I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, went no place at all with a split in his pants. So many Christians place their faith in the Lord Jesus. They get their get out of hell free card. They come to worship every now and then. But they never live the kind of life that the one who died for them wants them to live. But you need to know that when we come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, you need to know that God calls you to live a life that's remarkably like the life that Jesus lived. But to live that kind of life requires the same character that Jesus has. Are you committed, as a child of God, to building a kind of life that honors the Lord Jesus. Raise your hand. You know, the Zod played it safe. He thought that he could become a Christian but not change his life. He thought that he didn't have to make a choice. And you know where he went? Nowhere. It's the same thing that happens to a person who comes to faith in Jesus but doesn't change their life. He or she goes absolutely nowhere. 
So I'll ask you again, are you prepared to build the kind of life that the Lord God has called you to build? If you have, you need to learn how to construct Christian character. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I believe that the apostle teaches us how we can build, construct Christian character. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Word of God reads, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if, say if, for if these things are yours and they abound to you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are committed. Committed, Lord, to becoming the kind of servants that you want us to be. Father, we are committed to the kind of character that our Lord Jesus has. And Father, we pray that you will teach us how to follow in his footsteps and to apply all these wonderful things to our life so that we too can be building Christian character. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in order for us to construct Christian character, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. In order for you to build Christian character, some things are going to change. Amen? We've got to get our tools and we got to get to work. And that's really what we're going to learn today. Is we're going to take a look at some of these tools that we need in order to construct mm, Christian character. I gained some weight just thinking about BMW, amen? And you, know, you guys know that me wearing this hard hat is a real problem, don't you? You know how I am about my hair. <laughs> Don't you? Amen. As you see, we're going to get to work. We're going to get our tools together. 
And we're going to begin for the next eight or nine weeks to learn how we can construct Christian character in our lives. You see, before we begin to accumulate all the components that are necessary to build Christian character, before we gather up all the supplies that we're going to need in order to construct Christian character, we need to know what tools we got in our belt to build Christian character. And we also need to know why we got to build Christian character in the first place. So today, as a as kind of an introductory message to where we're going, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the tools we got, and we're going to talk about why in the world have we got to build Christian character in the first place. Let's first look at the tools. Let's look at the resources for constructing Christian character. Whenever you buy a new tool, whenever you buy a new appliance, or even sometimes a new children's uh, toy, there's one item that will most likely come in the box. Does anybody know what that is? A manual. Amen? Now, the manual accompanies the product in order to instruct you as to what pieces you'll find in the box. The manual is there to tell you how to put it together. The manual is there to teach you how to operate it once you finish building it. Now, most men don't need the manual. Most men can look at the picture on the front of the box and know exactly how that thing needs to be built. Is that right? And so we assemble until we find that it's finished. And then we get the manual out and we discover where those missing pieces are supposed to go. front of the box. But then we find out that there's not supposed to be any extra pieces. So we search the manual and we find some important steps that would, would have been real helpful about an hour ago. Amen. And we break it down into its parts again and we start over using the manual which would have saved us a whole lot of headache if we had just looked at it in the first place. You know, that's why the manual's there. The manual's there to save you a whole lot of headache. Save you a whole lot of problems if you'll read the manual. But you know what? So many people want to do it their own way. They want to look at the picture of somebody else and say, well, that's how I'll build my life. They don't even want to read the manual. But I'll tell you this. To build Christian character, the only way to do it is to read this manual. To read this manual. Now you may find that you need to break down some wrong thinking that goes along with the manual. You may find that maybe you've missed some critical steps along the way because you didn't read the Say it. Manual. You may find that you need to start all over again because you didn't read the... Say it. The good news is this. The good news is that God allows us to start all over again. 
In fact, he encourages us to do so. He wants Christian character in our life that much. Today, God's manual teaches us that we have three awesome tools in our tool belt for constructing Christian character. Three awesome resources in our belt for building Christian character in our lives. The first of which is we have the same privileges as every other Christian. Let me reread verse 1 and 2 again. Simon Peter, Simon fell deep in the trenches. When he denied the Lord Jesus, he fell deep in the trenches, but Jesus drug him back up and turned him into the preacher that was preaching at the day of Pentecost, one of the greatest days in church. So Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I need to tell you that regardless of whether you are young or old, whether you're a hot chick or a cool dude, whether you are short, tall, purple or green, rich or poor, smart or dumb, apostle or servant, whether you are outgoing or shy, whether you're a leader or a follower, whether you're Billy Graham or a brand new Christian, all, say all, all can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. All can be saved. And all who are saved by the grace of God enjoy equal acceptance by Him and an equal standing before Him. All have those things. We're not accepted by God because of what we've done. We're not uh, able to come before God because of who we are. We're only accepted and can only stand before God by faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Period. Paul said in Romans chapter 2 that God shows no partiality. For there is no partiality with God. None. And in fact, he said to the Galatian Christians, this is another church he's speaking to. For he says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are all Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Can I take his hat off? I'm messing up my hair. It's getting hot up here. Amen i got to tell you that through the Holy Spirit, every, say every, every, every single Christian has access to the same tools and the same privileges as any other Christian that has ever lived. The same tools, but it is through the Holy Spirit of God. It's through the Spirit of God that's placed in the believer. Now, the problem is, is that we find many Christians who are satisfied with having the Spirit of God within instead of having the Holy Spirit of God filling us. Do you know that there's a difference? God not only wants to be in you, but He wants to fill you. Don't be satisfied with the crumbs. Don't be satisfied with a little bit. Be satisfied only when you are filled with the Spirit of God. So many believers, 
They want an abundance of God's grace. They want an abundance of God's peace in their life. They want an abundance of God's victory. They want abundance of God's power. But they're unwilling to put forth the effort through Bible study and prayer. Do you agree with that? Well, let me ask you, several weeks ago, Brother Allen made a petition to you, for you, for every believer in this church house, to find a prayer partner. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have gotten and found a prayer partner that you're praying with every single day? Don't neglect your communication with God. Don't neglect, don't neglect uh, joining forces with another believer and coming before the throne of grace in prayer. You know, we all have the access. We all got the key to all the tools. We all got the key to all the privileges. But you know what? We just don't use them. We got the tools, but we don't use them. Can you imagine me trying to screw in a screw without a screwdriver? It's most difficult. It'll give you a headache. Matter of fact, it's impossible to accomplish that task without a screwdriver. Well, unless you got a hammer, amen? You got a hammer, you can fix everything, right? But you've got to have the tools, and you've got to be willing to use the tools. You've got to take advantage of those privileges that you have in Christ. But not only do we have the same privileges and the same tools as every other Christian, we also have divine power for godly living. Look in verse 3 again. In verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many here know what a duh statement is? You don't know what a duh statement is? A duh statement is when you reply to me, uh, Brother Bill, a duh. That's a duh statement. Do you mind if I give you a duh statement? The power to live a godly life comes from God. Say it. Duh. But it's deeper than that. The power to live a godly life only comes from God. Friends, we don't have the resources that are required. We don't have the resources within us in order to live a godly life. The Bible says, though, that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life, and get this, and godliness. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given it to us. He's given us the tool. He's given us the privilege. But are we using it? Many Christians are not. Just as His power saves us from the beginning, just as His power saves us in the first place, so His power is the only thing that's going to energize us to live that godly life. But the order is clear. Did you read it? His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to, first, life, 
then godliness. First, what? Then what? Say it louder. First, what? Life. Then what? Godliness. So many Christians try to get it backwards. They try to live the godly life. But you know what? They really hadn't been saved in the first place. They haven't really placed their faith in Jesus. They're not really trusting God with the rest of their life. And so they're trying to live a Christian life with Christian character, but they have not yet received the life. No. Go, Aiden. Bye-bye. We'll see you in a few minutes. Come on back. Amen. Amen. Friends, the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God to save us all from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. That's the good news that Jesus saves us not only from the damnation of sin, but also from the defilement of sin. You might say, man, I want some of that. How can I get this power, Brother Bill? How can I get this power to live a godly life? Well, verse 3 says it real easy. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. Is it that easy? Intimately knowing Jesus? I believe it is. That's the power to live a godly life. You see, the more intimately we know him, the more we're going to be, want to be like him. The more intimately we know the Son of God, our Savior, the more we're wanting to live like he lived. The knowledge of Jesus. Now you see, you don't have to do that by yourself either because the greatest tool is not your hammer. The greatest tool, the greatest resource we have for constructing Christian character is the Holy Spirit of God. Being not just having the Spirit of God within us, but being filled with the Spirit of God. Completely yielded, completely submitted, completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. You want to live a godly life? you got to get rid of a whole lot of you first. Amen? And let the Spirit of God fill you. It's only through Him that we as a church can let the whole world know that Jesus died for sinners and that He rose again from that grave three days later. Do you think that we could do that in our little corner of the county? Let the whole world know that? No, we can't. But through the Holy Spirit of God, we can. In constructing... Christian character. We're going to need the same privileges as all other Christians. And we're also going to need divine power for a godly life. But we also are going to need some promises from above. We're going to need some great and precious promises from God. Let's read verse 4 and find out how we're going to get that. By which have been given to us, uh-oh, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine or godly nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Wow! We've been given the promises. Exceedingly great and precious promises, the Word says. To help us to become like Jesus. To help us share in God's divine nature. To help us construct 
Christian character, God has granted to you and I many precious and magnificent promises. When God makes a promise, does God ever break it? Never. He never breaks a single promise. And here we've got a promise that he ain't gonna, he's not going to break his promise. Did you know that there are over 30,000 promises in the Bible? That's a lot of promises, amen? 30,000 promises. John Bunyan once said, the pathway of the Christian is so strewn thickly with the promises of God that you can't take one step without treading on one of his promises. That's what it is for the Christian. We're promised precious and magnificent promises. So you might ask, what promises, Brother Bill? What has God promised me? What has God promised me to help me build Christian character? Well, I'm going to share a few of them with you, okay? You're promised that you no longer have to be a slave to sin. The Word of God says, for sin shall not be master over you. You're not under the law, you're under grace. Another promise. You're promised power. Power even when you're weak. Anybody here ever been weak? My, 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 I've been weak. But you're promised power even when you're weak. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made known when you're weak. Another promise. You're promised the power to obey God's commands. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Another promise. You're promised victory over the enemy. Victory over the devil. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and guess what? He will flee from you. I didn't promise it. God promised it. You're promised a way of escape when those temptations come along your way. A way of escape. The New Living Translation really says it great in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, remember temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. God is faithful, and he'll keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, God will show you a way so that you will not give in to it. That's a promise. A promise from God. You're also promised forgiveness when you mess up. Anybody here ever messed up? Amen. How many of you mess up a lot? How many of you mess up as much as me? <laughs> Not many of you, I promise. But we promise forgiveness when we mess up. The Word of God says that, that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. And not only are you promised that God will forgive you, you're promised that God will forget it. Let me share with you. In Jeremiah chapter 31, the Word of God says, But this is the covenant that I will make, says the Lord. I will put my law on their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. I am so thankful that God has chosen not to remember some of the nasty things I've done. Some of the filthy things that I've done in my life. He's not only forgiven under the blood of Jesus, 
but he's forgotten they ever even happened. What a promise. But God also promised that, that he would respond when you call. You don't have to worry about a busy signal with God, okay? He will respond when you call. The word of God says, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I will deliver you. And Jesus has promised that the more we think about him, the more we will become like him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the word says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Say transformed. Transformed. You, my brothers and sisters, are being transformed into the likeness, the same image of Jesus Christ more and more every day by the Spirit of God. But it's only as we surrender Surrender our life, yield our own will, and be willing to submit to his guidance that the Holy Spirit will change our character. Character is who you really are. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. Character is who you are when you're at home all by yourself. That's what character is. And the Word of God teaches us that that God will change you even when you're home by yourself. Even when nobody's looking. God will change you. We have access to the tools. We have access to the resources to construct Christian character. But the question is, will you man up? Will you woman up to begin building Christian character? Or will you man up to continue this construction process? That's a question only you can answer. You might say, well, Brother Bill, why should I? Why should I go through all this effort to construct Christian character? Why should I? Well, let's look at some of the reasons. Let's look at the reasons we should construct Christian character. Let's look at verse 8. And you'll notice I'm skipping several verses, but... We're going to be spending a lot of time in this passage. Verse 8, for if, say if, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Years ago at a church passion play, the character playing Jesus was carrying the cross up the middle aisle and a man in the audience started heckling and shouting insults at him. He got so mad. And when he could stand it no more, the actor playing Jesus threw down his cross, went over and punched him right in the chops. Well, the director was aghast. The director was just all tore up and he pulled the actor aside and he said, under no circumstances can you ever do that again. So the next night, down the middle aisle, Jesus came with the cross. And the same heckler went back and started heckling and insulting him. And this time Jesus had to be restrained before he went and gave him some more of the same medicine. And the director called him into his office and he said, Look, if you can't keep your composure, you're just going to have to quit. 
He assured him that he'll do it. And on the third night, the heckler was back. And the insults were worse than they had ever been. The man playing Jesus gently placed his cross down. And he walked over to the heckler. And through his gritted teeth, he said, I'll see you right after the resurrection. <laughs> now, friends, I want to ask you, who is it that you're going to see immediately after you're resurrected? Perhaps the greatest reason to construct Christian character is because immediately after you're raised, the face you're going to see is the face of Jesus Christ. And however you've been living, whatever character you have or don't have, he says you're going to be held accountable for it. So that's, in my book, is the number one reason. But there are other reasons to construct Christian character. You need to know that, that as a Christian, you're either growing or you're dying. There's no in-between ground. You're either advancing up the mountain or you're declining back to the valley. There's no standing still as a child of God. So why should you be focused on constructing Christian character? Well, the Bible says in verse 8 that if, you, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren. You see, only a life lived in a close fellowship with God is going to be fruitful. If you're not living in close quarters with God, your life is not going to have any eternal fruit in it at all. Without character, it's almost like you're shadow boxing. Anybody know what shadow boxing is? Right? Oh, man, I'm fighting, working up a sweat. Whew. Man, getting tired. Muscles getting worn out. But who am I beating? Nobody. That's what barren means. Doing a whole lot of fighting, but you ain't whooping nobody. You're just making yourself tired. But the Bible also says that we ought to be focused on constructing Christian character to prevent unfruitfulness. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's possible for people to know a whole lot about Jesus and be totally unfruitful. Some people know the Bible frontwards and backwards. They can tell you Old Testament stories that I don't have a clue about. But they don't use what they know. And that's a problem. Christian character is going to give you the desire to use what you've been learning. See, we're not meant to be reservoirs. We're meant to be channels. We're not to be a, a pond of God's blessings. We're supposed to be a river of God's blessings that reach into the lives of others. But also, being focused on constructing Christian character will help us to eliminate short-sightedness. Let me read it for you. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. You see, some Christians have impaired vision. 
They're so busy focusing on the here and now. They're so busy focusing on the material things that they've lost sight of eternal values. The much more important eternal values. Christian character will give you an eternal vision. Christian character will begin to help you to think we, not me. A lot of Christians got that problem. They think me. They don't think we. The, th the fourth way that, uh, that should help us and, and help us to understand that we ought to be constructing Christian character is to remove blindness. For he who lacks these things is not only short-sighted, even unto blindness. Whoever lacks things like faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, these things that really only God can provide, they're blind. They're blind. They're oblivious to what and who is really most important. But lastly, we should be focused on constructing Christian character to reduce forgetfulness. You see, the believer who lacks Christian character has forgotten that he was at one time just filthy with sin. The truth that he has been gloriously saved has lost its grip on him. He's kind of going backwards. He's backsliding. He's going back to the place where he was once rescued. If he or she is not constructing Christian character, they're toying around with the sins that caused Jesus to be crucified. The resources are at our disposal. The reasons are clear why we should construct Christian character. But it all begins with faith. Faith in Christ. Without Christ, you don't have no privileges. Without Christ, you ain't got no power. And without Christ, you have no promises. If you've not received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you'd love more than anything to enjoy the privileges of a child of God, the power of God Himself, and to enjoy the promises, 30,000 of them, in this book alone, I want to invite you during this song to just come up, take my hand and say, Brother Bill, don't know what to do. All I know is that I want me some of that. I want a relationship with God, and I understand that it only comes through Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I'm so grateful that you didn't leave me in my broken state. Father, I'm so thankful that that you loved me so much that you were willing to come and even die for me on the cross. Father, I pray that if there's one here this morning who has never turned over that leaf, never turned over his or her life, Father, I want them to know that they can do that today. Lord, I want them to experience some of the same love that, that I experienced when 
when I and many like me in this room just came before you and, and said, I just want to give you my life, Lord. But when somebody humbles themselves to do that, you'll take over from there. Father, we want to say we love you and we thank you that you not only have come to save us, but you've come to help us live a life filled with Christian character. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that great and mighty things will happen because of the way that you change the character of every man, woman, and child in this room. Lord, we love you today. We're here because of you today. And I pray that you'd save somebody today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust him now he will save you he will save you he will save you now for jesus shed his precious blood rich blessings to bestow plunge now into the is white as snow. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth. That leads you into rest Believe in Him without delay And you are fully blessed Only trust Him, only trust Him Only trust Him now He will save you save you he will save you now come then and join this holy band and come to glory go to dwell in that celestial land where joys immortal flow only trust him Trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Miss Mariah Gildersleeve is going to be baptized this morning. Nick is going to uh, raise the uh, uh, screen, and we're going to sing a song or two.
Grab your hymnal in front of you there, if you would, please. And turn to number 375. Number 375. There you go. Number 375. Let's sing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood. Just in simple faith to plunge me Neath the healing, cleansing flood Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him How I proved Him more and more Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus All for grace to trust Him Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to clean, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, just Jesus, all for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that He is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust trust him more. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here in the baptismal waters for a special, special reason today. Many of you were present when Mariah Gildersleeve came forward and prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to save her soul. And it was a, that in itself was just a joyous occasion. It was a, a wonderful opportunity to celebrate with a sister and to welcome her into a church family that will love her. And now she takes the first step of obedience in the Christian life because Jesus told us that after we place our faith in him, that we are submit to the waters of baptism, 
just as he himself did, even though he was sinless, he too submitted to baptism. And so Moriah does today. in Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Death into self and baptism. Rising to new life in Christ. Amen. 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 I don't know why they have